I'm Jeff Hakeem, founder of MCM Wealth. Welcome to our podcast today. We do these podcasts to advise families, business owners, and health professionals. Our approach is to build customized portfolios for each client while offering comprehensive financial planning services. Thank you for joining us today on this educational journey designed to protect your future. Hello and welcome to the MCM Podcast. I'm Wendy McConnell. Our guest today is Jerry Vanderzanden, CLUCHFC. He's an insurance planning specialist. Now, prior to resuming his professional insurance solutions and consulting activities, he held executive roles at major insurance companies and senior leadership roles at a broker dealer, a general agency, and a national insurance marketing organization, covering a wide range of areas such as insurance, distribution, product management, and advanced planning. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Wendy. So, Jerry, tell me a little bit more about your title. There's a whole bunch of letters that I, I mentioned and an insurance planning specialist. Can you explain that to us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure thing. Um, you know, essentially, it's, I'm, an, I'm an insurance professional. The designation CLU is Chartered Life Underwriter. The designation CHFC is a Chartered Financial Consultant. It just means that I'm an insurance professional. Uh, you know, I take a code of ethics that uh, says that I put the interests of the client ahead of myself. And I have a lot of training and you know, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. So, but basically what I do is I assist clients of investment advisors, you know, other financial professionals, financial planners, that sort of thing uh, with implementing uh, suitable insurance solutions and help them understand their attitudes toward risk. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of hard work that goes into these uh, certifications and accreditations. So that's why, you know, we want to make sure that we are recognized for that. That's like going to 12 years of medical school and all of that residency and then not being called doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that might be a little bit different, but, uh, you know, it, it does. <laughs> it does not. it does matter a little bit. Um, no, it not, does not, not everyone has it. And it is something that when consumers are you know, looking for somebody to work with in terms of insurance, working with an insurance professional rather than an insurance salesman does, uh, in most cases, make a big difference. Uh, the other thing that uh, th- that I am, which might be of interest, is that I'm a certified insurance fiduciary, which uh, isn't a designation per se, but it is something that was additional training uh, that allows me to work with clients in a slightly different way from maybe the way I was trained 40 years ago, uh, which was more sales-based back then. What I'm doing um, in the capacity of someone who is an insurance fiduciary is a little bit different in that we work with them in a way that is more of a uh, an expert facilitation where I help them understand a little bit more about what they're uh, investigating and potentially uh, you know buying uh, if it's an insurance solution and uh, the you know the way I do it is educate them uh, ask a lot of questions it gets that suitability but ultimately I'm not the one that determines what's in their best interest. Uh, you know, saying no is always a an option for them, but they are in complete control and they decide when uh, when it's when it's go time, when when it's ready to move forward on an insurance solution. And my job is to basically educate them, give them, you know, let's say three 
equally suitable alternatives, but ultimately they make the decision as to which one they're going to go with, not me. Right. That sounds good. So what does that actually look like for your day to day? Yeah. So I wear multiple hats. One aspect of my life is insurance consulting, different um, uh, insurance analytics, working on different tools and techniques and fintech uh, around that. And also on a, on a consulting basis on different matters, individuals can uh, essentially pay me a fee to provide uh, advice only, uh, no, no product or anything like that. Uh, and uh, I'm, I also do some uh, litigation support expert witness uh, work as well. So that's kind of the consulting side of my business. The rest of uh, what I do is I operate as an insurance professional to help people you know, understand their attitudes towards risk and implement insurance solutions if it's appropriate for them. Uh, and I do that not by trying to find clients on my own. Uh, I work with investment advisors and I'm essentially being insourced or they're outsourcing insurance to me and they're hiring me to work under their direction, under their standard of care. So I match how I operate to the way that their practice is organized and they hire me to work on their behalf when it comes to insurance, something that they don't do, but I do for their clients directly and directly with the clients with full transparency. So is this sort of like compliance? Is that what you deal with? Well, I, I I do it with a view to compliance, but it's not compliance on its own. Um, uh, the, the standards of care vary within financial services. Um, uh, insurance products tend to be either without a standard. Caveat emptor is not a standard. Life insurance is currently um, uh, more akin to that. With with investment products, uh, it tends to be a best interest standard. Um, and so what I attempt to do is to understand the way that the investment advisor or financial planner, how they hold themselves out to their, their clients um, and, and prospects that are considering working with them and ensure that we're operating at the same level across the spectrum. So basically, I'm I'm elevating that standard on a voluntary basis, but who wouldn't? I mean, if you ask anyone... <laughs> Right? Do, do you uh, work in the best interest of your client? I mean, everybody's going to agree to that, but most people can't prove it, and oh, and hey. so it takes a different approach where you have to document processes and procedures, and essentially operate with full transparency, so it's obvious and clear who you're working for and why. Gotcha. Uh, so back to how you work. What did your career path look like? Well, so I started out, I guess, 38 years ago as a, a fresh graduate from uh, university and, and uh, went straight into a, uh, a, a financial planning program uh, that was developed to take green green kids that didn't know anything and teach yeah. them uh, financial planning at a time when financial planning was a relatively new thing. It was holistic planning. It was uh, you know, Insurance was very much a part of the overall array of products and services that we worked on. Back then, it was fee-based, not fee-only, which is an option today. Back then, 
the products were basically structured around commissions, you know, across the board, but the planning was, uh, you know, separate and you charge for that discreetly. And then, you know, they could implement with anyone, but usually people chose to implement with the person that took them through the financial planning process. And that's the type of financial planning that was going on back then. So that was my, uh, that was my start through a, a variety of, of experiences. I was encouraged to come into uh, the home office to take on a uh, product development role, more on the insurance side. But the way I put it, uh, you know, once a financial planner, always a financial planner, I've always kind of carried that with me as my, you know, reason for being when it comes to the work that I do. Um, but I, it really kind of uh, put me on a path for a period of time, uh, you know, a couple of decades, in fact, uh, where I did, uh, you know, financial planning, advanced planning uh, for insurance companies, um, and kind of worked my way up doing that sort of thing. I've spent, you know, I would say the first 30 some odd years of my career working in various uh, capacities uh, of uh, increasing importance and, and responsibility uh, in insurance companies, broker dealers, and field distribution organizations um, all around insurance and financial services. Uh, did you mention client-centric planning? What is that exactly? Yeah, well, so I think that's where financial planning has been um, on a path for the last several years. Client-centric planning to me means that uh, the days of that financial planner from you know 40 years ago being the sole practitioner where they have to cover everything across the spectrum you know including insurance but certainly investments and financial planning services it, it has given way to uh, the idea of teams having different specialists assembled around one client manager if you will whose responsibility it is as a wealth manager to manage the overall spectrum of services that are going to be provided, but primarily uh, when it comes to areas such as insurance, which uh, investment advisors and, and, and other financial planners tend to not want to do, <laughs> it's good for them to uh, enlist the services of a financial you know, specialist, uh, an insurance specialist that can provide those uh, services and nothing more, right? So when I'm engaged to uh, provide insurance services for a firm on their behalf with their clients directly. That's all I'm focused on is, is the insurance piece. Even though I'm licensed to do um, all those other things that they can do, I'm basically being hired just to do that one thing and to do it at the top of the profession at the very best way that I can. So I have um, in recent years dedicated my practice to only doing that, not to find clients, but to work with investment advisors on their behalf with their clients. So that is your specialty and that's your yes. focus because what you're saying is as opposed to, you know, the one guy who does it all, now there's a team and you're part of that team. Right. And it can involve um, accountants and attorneys and, you know, other um uh, specialists in the investment realm where they focus very narrowly on a certain, um, you know, part of that spectrum, you know, insurance, uh, property and casualty insurance, which I don't do, uh, you know, that form of personal risk um, would involve a different type of insurance specialist that would be invited in to help with a client when uh, the circumstances present themselves. And a part of my job is to look for the opportunities 
to bring in other professionals when it's appropriate because uh, the situation kind of demands it. Okay. So aside from making that determination, you basically help solve problems and fix them for people, right? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Okay. So how does an insurance specialist get involved in advanced planning areas such as estate planning? Historically, I guess, estate planning, that's the domain of an attorney. I mean, uh, an insurance agent, uh, uh, an investment specialist is not permitted to practice law, right? So you have to work with lawyers when it comes to implementing, creating uh, estate plans. But the role of insurance in an estate plan is something that goes back a very long way. You know, life insurance, pure and simple, in a uh, well-drafted estate plan can provide for estate liquidity that would allow you know estate taxes different other uh, expenses that occur at death in the transfer of wealth from uh, one family member who's passing away and leaving it for others um, rather than having to come up with the money by selling assets life insurance will provide cash immediately to, to take care of whatever the expenses are including taxes which in the past used to be a very big part of what an estate would have to deal with at the passing of a family member. It was very common until the 1980s and 1990s, very common for people to have arranged for life insurance to provide that liquidity at relatively modest amounts of wealth because the threshold at which estate taxes kicked in was pretty low, you know, 600,000, a million, that sort of thing. Today, those thresholds, the estate tax exemption, is far higher. It's almost 13 million right now per individual. Um, so for the last uh, couple of decades anyway, many people um, in this country have not had to really worry about estate taxes. Their wealth while being uh, considerable is not so high that it would uh, you know, kind of trip that wire and trigger estate taxes where they would have to do much more complicated planning involving estate planning attorneys and insurance agents to be able to arrange it in a way that the cash would be available through life insurance to be able to provide for that liquidity and to avoid a fire sale of assets because nobody knows when they're going to die. If you knew when you were going to die, you could plan to have the assets you know, that you would choose at that time to be uh, liquidated to be able to provide for that because you, you don't know that. Um, life insurance is very handy because it's triggered at, at one's passing. Yeah, if we knew that we could plan all kinds of things, right? <laughs> well, you wouldn't need an insurance specialist like me if we knew that stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, basically why we need insurance for everything, all of the unknowns. Exactly. So can you tell me what the estate planning cliff is? Yeah. Um, so built into the 2017 uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, TCJA was a uh, a sunsetting of certain tax provisions in that uh, in that law in 2017 that sunset um, on uh, the first of January 2026. There's dozens of things in that bill that are either tax increases or 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 tax decreases that will sunset. Um, and another way of looking at it is that the the way that the law is right now is already set to change. There's nothing that Congress has to do to make this happen on 1126. So it you either head over the tax cliff at that point, 
um, into the way things used to be in 2017, or you can look at it as the law sunsetting at that point. And there's a lot of reasons for why they put these sunset provisions in tax code planning, uh, but that's what Congress has been doing in order to try to keep the books balanced, which unfortunately they tend not to do a very good job of. But uh, that's why a lot of the provisions that are pretty significant in tax legislation tends to have a, a, a limited duration. It's, it's, it's going to expire at some point. It's less common to have permanent tax code changes. Most of it is going to sunset or you, know, you head over a cliff at some point. So the importance of that for planning right now, uh, for the kind of work that I help people identify and then work with other professionals such as estate planning attorneys to help implement, uh, is to take advantage of what I talked about earlier, almost $13 million of an exemption. You don't have to work. If you have uh, a net worth that is less than $13 million right now and you were to die tomorrow, there wouldn't be any estate taxes due. But after 2025, that all changes. It's going to be essentially cut in half. So someone who is um, maybe uh, looking at an estate value of seven, eight, nine million uh, should be thinking about, well, what's the plan? I don't want to die soon, but I will die at some point. And there's a good chance that it's going to be after the law sunsets where we head over this cliff. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and if so, there's an opportunity to do some pretty amazing things right now if we do the planning now. To wait until later means that we would be operating with a different set of circumstances in terms of what taxes we have to plan for. But right now, we can actually move some assets out of our taxable estate and into uh, trusts, typically, uh, where they're not going to be taxed as a part of our estate. And that's the opportunity that we have right now to plan with. And you can't do that once this law sunsets? You can, but the estate tax exemption is going to be half of what it is right now. Okay. So what else do we need to do looking ahead to 2026? What can we do now to protect ourselves? Well, I think the first thing is uh, you start with what the goals and objectives are for planning one's estate. And it tends not to be driven as much by taxes. There are non-tax things that we're asked to consider when we're looking at doing estate planning as individuals and as couples and, and families. It tends to be a family type of um, either discussion or at least the family is somehow in the mix. And uh, you know, goal planning is the first step. What do we want to do? How do we want to transfer wealth? Who do we want to leave it to? Is uh, philanthropic um, objectives part of the the decision making process? I mean, there's so many things that 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 are involved. And in working with professionals, you can start identifying them in terms of goals, and then come up with a plan to achieve them. Okay. That all takes time. It's not something that uh, we want to start at the end of 2025 thinking about a tax change that's right around the corner, first of all, you won't find an attorney that's doing estate planning that's going to have any time for you at that point. You actually have to engage them well before any kind of major tax change that's coming up. And it takes time to do goal planning, to come up with a plan, to execute the documents, to fund them. You know that, that That's something that happens years before a coming tax change. And we know the exact date that the taxes are going to change. We don't know the exact date of our death, but we do know when the tax law is changing. 
And so we need to, we've got a, a good runway right now, uh, but the longer we wait, the more difficult it's going to be to be able to get the planning done in a systematic kind of way. And there's going to be a big rush for all these lawyers too. They're all going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm too busy now. <laughs> we, and we've, we, we've seen this movie before. It has happened several times in the past when we've had sunsetting provisions. This happened with the uh, tax law in, in 2001 where the estate tax went away for exactly one year in 2010. Famously, George Steinbrenner passed away and didn't owe any estate taxes. There was a different regime in place at that time, um, but the estate tax actually did completely disappear and then reappeared one year later because of this cliff or a sunset kind of arrangement in the tax law. And so we know what happens when people are trying to take advantage of something right before a major change happens, you can't find the attorney that you want because they're booked up, right? So we want to take advantage of the opportunity that exists today with the knowledge that things are going to change in a couple of years. Let's get it started now. Okay. How should a re-evaluation be done to better understand the implications of what could or could not happen in January, 2026 when this happens? Right. So a lot of folks have already done some form of estate planning. If you have a will, you've done some estate planning. You might have a living trust. A lot of people have a combination, uh, depending on the state that you're in, things work a little bit differently, but basically living trust and pour over wills are sort of the basic elements of estate planning. And a lot of people have done that. If you haven't put together a will, the state has one for you. Um, You might not like it. it. You might not like it. The wealth may not go where you want it to go. Um, So it's always important to to do that planning. For many, they might have put a a will and a trust together a long time ago, and it's gathering dust somewhere, hasn't been looked at in a long time. So reevaluation is where we start with. We ask questions like, do you have a will? Do you have a living trust? Is there anything in the living trust? Um, When was it last reviewed? Um, and, 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 you know, if it hasn't been in the last year or two, certainly since 2017, we want to take a look at it because it reflects the planning environment in which it was drawn up and doesn't consider the current circumstances or the ones that we have coming up. So that's the first step is we, we ask for those kind of documents. We ask about, well, do you own insurance for what purpose? And, and uh, try to get those documents. Uh, life insurance and other financial assets have beneficiary designations in them. And very often when we uh, examine those documents, we find that the beneficiaries that are listed, um, you know, things may have changed. Uh, there could be a divorce. It could be uh, beneficiaries passing away, but the documents don't currently reflect that. So we want to take a look at reviewing all those documents that, that comprise one's estate and um, then take the next step and say, okay, our change is warranted. And that's where the planning team of professionals will get involved and go through the steps. So tell us one or two things that you think we should be doing right now to get prepared for this. So for example, at MCM Wealth, I mean, we have an opportunity to bring this service to clients of the firm, and that is happening right now. So we have an obligation, I think, to ask questions, and we start there. 
Um, and um, I, I think clients have an opportunity to take advantage at a moment in time when planning probably is lined up in a way that that may not last for very long. We have inflation. We have interest rates that have shot up very quickly uh, because uh, of our um, uh, battle with inflation that we have right now. And uh, some asset values, portfolios, other things like that, uh, may be a little bit depressed because the markets might be off from where they were, right? We have real estate that might be valued differently today than it was a year or two ago. So there's an opportunity to do to do some planning with gifts, to arrange our estate in a way that will attract less tax if we are able to be very skillful and work with the right type of professionals to be able to arrange it and take advantage of the exemptions when they're very high. Uh, because when they change, there is no what's known uh, in the trade as a clawback. So when uh, the estate tax exemption is very high, like it is now, almost 13 million, and in 2026 becomes somewhere around 7 million. We don't know the precise number because they are indexed for inflation year by year. So the numbers are known one year at a time, but we believe that what exists today at 13 million will be around seven. So at that point, you have an opportunity to have gifted up to 13 million outside of your taxable estate and let all that growth of those assets happen outside of your taxable estate and not at 7 million that it'll be in 2026. We know that already. So uh, there, there are different planning techniques that you can utilize to be able to make that happen. And that's where the estate planning attorney comes in. And uh, insurance provides discounting when you've done everything you can with the tax code to be able to lessen your exposure to the tax. And let's say that's still not enough. Life insurance operates with discounted dollars. Every premium that you make is money of your own that you're giving to an insurance company but you're leveraging it to a much larger death benefit that will be available tax-free for your family in the disposition of your estate down the road. And the idea is that you want to get all of that death benefit that you're leveraging with your premiums outside of your taxable estate too. And for that, we use trusts of various kinds. So anything else before we finish up? I mean, I'm glad that we had this conversation because I was planning on making a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. And now I have to worry about this big drop off. <laughs> right. If, if, if you're in that position, now's the time to be able to make the uh, take the steps to have the discussions uh, within the family. That's always encouraged hmm. um, to find the right kind of planning professionals to help uh, get the process started. And if it involves a review, start with that. Find the documents. Start putting it together and uh, and start now. Don't wait until next year. Don't wait till an election year because a lot of uncertainty occurs in an election year because mm -hmm. you don't know who's going to win. And usually both sides have different competing ideas of what's good for the country. And taxes are usually a big part of it. So the importance uh, of time is that you need lots of it to be able to plan appropriately. And you want to do it when there's a fair bit of certainty. And then there's always ways to uh, build some flexibility into the planning in the event that things don't turn out. Uh, for example, Congress could, for whatever reason, decide to extend that date, uh, not make it uh, expire uh, on one one twenty six. We have no control over that. We don't know if that can even happen with the uh, divided government that we have today. It's very unlikely. 
So we want to take advantage of planning techniques that allow for some flexibility, um, where the things that you do can be temporary and made permanent once we know the outcome of elections and, and that sort of thing. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Wendy. All right. Thank you also for joining us. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. This is Jeff Hakeem again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our MCM Wealth Podcast. Please click the follow button to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Also, please visit our website at www.mcmwealth.com or call me on my direct line at 415-299-6574 so you and I can have an initial discussion. We look forward to learning about you. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of MCM Wealth. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.